Hi there. It's Allison McGee, your host, coming to you in fall, my favorite time of the year, a season that somehow feels like a beginning instead of an ending. A while ago, I received an email from a listener in Georgia I'll call Perrin, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Perrin's situation feels familiar in a very contemporary and also ancient way. It's about a relationship between a parent and a child, one that changes and grows and complicates itself over the years, a parent who desperately loves their child, and a child who struggles with being and staying alive. letter took the form of a long journal entry. In it, she describes her daughter Francie, how Francie was reading by age two, memorizing poems in kindergarten, filling endless spiral-bound notebooks with her thoughts and stories and poems year after year after year. Francie was born for words, Perrin says, and words were her way of both expressing and releasing emotion. And Francie's emotions run deep and intense and overwhelming. Francie's stories were sad, Perrin says, sad and intense from the start. They were also powerful in a way that made both Francie and Perrin cry, and when school classmates and teachers read them, they too cried. That's the power of great storytelling. But as a mother, Perrin began to worry. She had always been incredibly close to her child, unthinkingly accepting both the genius and intensity of Francie who was a first child born to a young parent, without questioning it. But as Francie grew into a teenager, their intensely close bond changed. Francie began to lash out at her mother. She ran away from home to an unfamiliar city in the Pacific Northwest where she knew no one, staying there for weeks without word until exhausted and desperate. She hitchhiked, she hitchhiked home. And once home, she began cutting her arms and her legs with the discarded tops of tin cans. And as with most people who find release in cutting, she kept this a secret from everyone, including her mother. When Perrin finally discovered the wounds and scars, she was stunned. Over time, Perrin learned that Francie, her beautiful, wildly talented child, dreamed of suicide. She writes... Looking back, I should have known there were problems. I should have sought help then and there, but she was my first child, and it's difficult to distinguish mental illness from normal teen issues. Doctors told Perrin that Francie's situation was common in young girls, but that wasn't a comfort to Perrin. How could this happen, she writes. How could such an intelligent, loving, beautiful girl hate herself so much? that she wanted to die. Time has passed, years, since Perrin came to understand the depth of her daughter's despair. With that realization has come both the understanding that Francie may always carry the wish to die along with the equally strong wish to be in this world writing her stunning stories. Perrin thinks about all the famous writers, 
Emily Dickinson, Ernest Hemingway, Virginia Woolf, and so many others who suffered in the same way. Both Francie and Perrin are alive and filled with love for each other. Perrin says that she is a much stronger and more compassionate person now, although she would wish her experience on no one. In her email, Perrin asked for a poem, and one that came instantly to mind and stayed there is one of my favorites by Ellen Bass, who's also one of my favorite poets. I don't think I've ever read a poem by Ellen Bass that didn't reach me in some deep and specific way, but this one hits especially hard. Whenever I read it, I think of parents, all parents, including myself, and right now I'm thinking about Perrin. This one's for you, Perrin, you and Francie. After Our Daughter's Wedding by Ellen Bass While the remnants of cake and half-empty champagne glasses lay on the lawn like sunbathers lingering in the slanting light, we left the house guests and drove to Antonelli's pond. On a log by the bank, I sat in my flowered dress and cried. A lone fisherman drifted by, casting his ribbon of light. Do you feel like you've given her away? You asked. But no. It was that she made it to here, that she didn't drown in a well or die of pneumonia or take the pills. She wasn't crushed under the mammoth wheels of a semi on Highway 17, wasn't found lying in the alley that night after rehearsal when I got the time wrong. It's animal, the egg not eaten by a weasel, turtles crossing the beach exposed in the moonlight, and we have so few to start with. And that long gestation, like carrying your soul out in front of you. All those years of feeding and watching. The vulnerable hollow at the back of the neck. Never knowing what could pick them off. A seagull swooping down for a clam. Our most basic imperative for them to survive. And there's never been a moment we could count on it. That's it for today's show, my friends. And if you hear some very faint piano music in the background, that is because a young person who lives in this house is practicing. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending the link to someone else who might and give us a good rating if you're so inclined. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by Kelly Krebs. Today's poem, After Our Daughter's Wedding, by Ellen Bass, is from her collection titled Mules of Love, a title I also love, Mules of Love. It was published by BOA Editions in 2002 and is read with the poet's kind permission. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, writer Allison McGee. 
Tell me what you're going through, and I'll go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through. The way that poems have been helping me since I was a wee little thing. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com, or just drop me a line at the same address. For more info, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it is rough out there, and we have to help each other through.